Hello everyone, uh, welcome to the first episode of Sanity Check. Um, we are five, today four, uh, friends of various political engagements who have realized after the election of Donald Trump that we all need to really step up our paying attention game. Uh, we're going to be going over recent news both to inform each other and also uh, to stay connected so that we don't lose our minds as America spirals down Trump's gold-plated Make America Great Again engraved toilet. So I just want to introduce myself very quickly. My name is Ben. Um, I'm currently living in Philadelphia. I just moved back here from rural southeast Minnesota. Um, and now let me introduce uh, my first compatriot, Mike. Uh, I'm Michael. I live in Maine. I used to live in New York City. And in my heart, I still do. And uh, I'm excited to be here with, with Ben and, and the other folks. And whoever wants to go next should introduce themselves next. Andrew, why don't you say hello? Hi, I'm Andrew. I like long walks on the beach. And I live in New York. And what else are we saying? That's it. Thank you, Andrew. I'm, I'm right. John. I live in only coastal elite cities <laughs> yeah. that are New York and Los Angeles. John is the most elite. Um, yeah, I'm, by virtue of geography, I am. I've lived in all, the three largest cities in America at various points in my life. So, um, Shout out to Chicago. So um, just to, as a little bit of context, uh, we all went to high school together in New York um, quite a long time ago. Um, and obviously... Not that long ago. We are, um, we're a bit more spread out now, but we, <laughs> we, we stay in good touch and have been rather horrified together um, as the political spectacle has unfolded. And so um, we've, we've felt the need to talk about it. Um, so the first thing that we're going to talk about today is um, the report that came out um, about a week ago um, from CNN and then later that day from uh, BuzzFeed um, connecting the Trump campaign and uh, Trump himself to, um, to Russian intelligence um, and... Uh, the fact that uh, sometime earlier that week, the president and vice president and president-elect, for that matter, had been um, given in their presidential daily briefing um, information that um, had been gathered by a former MI6 agent um, uh, stating that the Russians had developed a dossier on Trump, um, possibly with compromising information. Um, and uh, this was of both financial and sexual nature. Um, I don't think we really need to get into uh, the details of that. Um, you, a, you probably already know what we're talking about, and B, it's, it's still just alleged at this point. Um, uh, but uh, the full report is, uh, is over 30 pages. Um, as I mentioned, it was put together by a former MI6 agent um, originally paid for by uh, opposing Republicans during the primary season and then picked up by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, apparently, according to report from BBC and The Independent, um, the agent was sufficiently disturbed by what he found that he actually continued to work through the election and after the election um, on his own dime. Um, his bona fides have been vouched for by a number of different intelligence sources and others, um, including the last uh, Labour Party uh, British ambassador to Russia, um, who 
uh, personally vouched for him to John McCain, um, who then sent um, an envoy to, to meet him and, and collect this uh, intelligence file. Um, uh, th this story has actually been floating around the, you know, the, in the interwebs um, since the, the summertime I, I'd heard about it, um, but this was the, the first time that the media really reported on it. Um, I think yeah, it was early August, and was it Mother Jones or yeah? David Corn um, had had written a piece, basically alluding to this, all of this in Mother Jones before mm -hmm. the election. I think August, September, something like that. Um, you know, he he didn't give any details. I thought it was early October, but yeah, some, but it was before the election. In any case, it was well before the election. Yeah, um, but um, uh, apparently, this is something that journalists at a lot of major news organizations have had for, for quite some time now and hadn't reported on because they hadn't been able to um, uh, figure out whether any of it was true. Um, I think the thing, the biggest takeaway here is that the American intelligence community deemed it um, credible enough that they put it in the presidential daily briefing. Um, generally speaking, you know, they don't put random stuff into the presidential daily briefing, um, since that is kind of the synopsis of the most important stuff that they have. Um, and so that, you know, that, that does lend some credence to the, to the overall story. You know, obviously the Trump-Russia connections are something that have been talked about at great length. They were talked about in the debates um, and, uh, and so on. But this is kind of the first time that we have, um, in print anyway, um, any details that American intelligence um, is thoroughly interested and in investigating um, uh, this uh, this issue. And John, um, you want to tell us about um, that McClatchy piece that that came out today? Um, sure. I think it just said that like. Do you have it called up right now, Ben? It's because um, it's f five organizations are working, and then oh, some yeah. of this is actually information that goes back into the summer because it was detailed that I believe around June there is suspicion related to tr the Trump campaign and potentially money being sent through a server to Russia, and so there was an effort to gather. Um, a FISA court warrant in order to investigate, and that right, actually that was, that was, was the a Franklin slightly Ford different story. Back then, I think you're referring to. Yeah. yeah. So this latest thing is that five intelligence agencies in the U.S. are working together to sort of keep investigating those links and any other links that indicate uh, coordination or financial exchange between the Trump campaign and Russia. Um, also, trying to follow any uh, Russian payouts to hackers, um, either in America or abroad. Um, I, I think it was, the, it was like the FBI, the CIA, what were the other three? Um, I, I, I just pulled it up. Ones. We've got NSA, Justice, and Treasury. Yes, thanks, Andrew. Mm. Yeah. Treasury is the fun one because it's like financial but, crime, follow... the sexiest yeah. of all crimes. Well, and the Secret Service <laughs> is part of the Treasury too. Yes, mm -hmm. yep. That's why he doesn't so want the Secret Service. So, like, for at least a few more hours, apparently they'll be working together to get to the bottom right. of this. Um, yeah. and, and this was actually following up on some reporting that was done in the last couple of weeks, again, by the BBC and The Independent. 
um, that this joint inquiry um, had actually gone to the uh, FISA court, which um, uh, most of you will remember is the court which is in charge of giving legal warrants for uh, wiretapping. Uh, oh, who could forget that? <laughs> yeah, they're famously rubber stamp anything you put in front Pretty of them. Pretty much. Hey, one out of one yeah, people like did 99.9% of requests that have gone in front of them have been <laughs> yes. rubber stamped. Although I do see how they would want to be careful of so, authorizing surveillance on a presidential candidate. Yes. I th- sure, I guess that's good. I mean, it's finally time they had a conscience. Uh, so they de- they declined two requests, yes, right? According to that requests. report, one yeah. one over the summer, and then a more narrow request in the fall, and then they finally authorized um, a warrant in mid October. We don't know on whom. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's been speculated um, by national security types that it was probably on uh, Russian interests rather than on. Um, Trump organization interests, um, trying mm-hmm. to uh, catch the money on that end. Um, but it's, uh, as, as John says, uh, it's, it's hard to know uh, whether or not this investigation will continue past Friday. Um, well, it's, it's like that, that deep know. state thing where they wouldn't necessarily stop just because he tells them to. Yeah. Sure. I think the coordination becomes harder if uh Yeah, that's it, true. if they scuttle it. But um yeah, I mean there I'm sure there's a lot of people in the deep state who are trying to figure out how to do things on the side. Well, he hasn't really made the intelligence agencies his best friends. No. Nope. No. I mean, nope. um did you all see the exchange that he had with um with CIA director Brennan? Um like two days ago. Um, no, some of it, but get into the details. So, uh, you know, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it, but the gist of it was that, um, you know, for, at first Brennan criticized Trump for taking such an antagonistic viewpoint with mm. American intelligence, um, saying that, you know, constructive criticism is, you know, is fine and to be expected, but uh, that level of antagonism is not really helpful to anyone. Um, and, uh, Trump said, thank you for the advice. I appreciate (laughs) that. I will consider that in the future. So Trump basically, after saying what John said, um, he then really switched his tack and, um, and (laughs) accused Brennan of being the quote unquote leaker who leaked this, uh, this report, um, which, which again, (laughs) it's funny in the context, which is, which is funny, right. As Mike points out in the context of WikiLeaks. Oh, Oh, I thought just the no, phrase the leaker. Other, oh. <laughs> well, okay, yes, that, that, if we're that is talk also about funny. Taking leaks or <laughs> yeah. receiving leaks. He accused Brennan yeah, of just it, it really, it was taking a leak kind, all over the uh, place. Huge. It was, it was the worst kind of yellow journalism, really. Yeah, um, there we go. Oh, so many puns. <laughs> Twitter, you're great at this. You did a good job. Um, so, so he then he, he he also compared the intelligence agencies to right. Nazi so he, Germany. He this was this was right. This was the sort of thing yeah. that happened in Nazi Germany. So Bre- Brennan, he, he said that repeatedly. He did repeatedly, say, but he specifically <laughs> said it about Brennan. And so Brennan, which was really not that cool. happy about that. Um, and you know, who also wasn't that happy about that. The Anti-Defamation League. Yes. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that, they, yeah, they usually are like, slow your roll. I mean, um, <laughs> I love the, the ADL, but they're not happy about much. 
if we're being honest. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think they love like gratuitous Nazi associate, like parallels no. thrown around by the president. No. To describe the environment around him and not his own actions. <laughs> yeah, particularly. I guess. I guess it's. Yeah, it means he still thinks Nazi Germany is a bad thing. So that's like a a place to well, work from, right? Well, yeah, that's no, true. no, no, no. I don't know it, that it he means, thinks anything. It means he knows it plays like a bad thing. Well, <laughs> that's all he cares about. Or that it, he knows that it's it's bad if you're on the wrong side of the Nazi regime. If you you know, it's good to be the king. Yeah, right. He's like, I feel like the guys who were getting oppressed by the Nazis, but I'm supposed to be the Nazi. If so, if he's you Jewish. have um, if you're talking about Steve Bannon and the mm. Ministry of Propaganda, I mean Joseph Goebbels, um, then you know, if you're on that side, you know, you're you're doing pretty well. Uh, Are you? Well, from Trump's point of view. I don't know. One of the best things I ever read about Trump was this theory that he uses language exclusively as instrumentally. In other words, most people use language for in two ways, to convey information and as a social instrument. But he only does the social instrument part of it, so he just says whatever is the most socially advantageous thing. So, you know, I'm not sure he has any coherent thoughts about Nazi Germany. He just knows that if he says that, it, it'll make people feel a certain way. That's an interesting observation. I mean, it is certainly true that when he speaks or writes or tweets, that there is very little actual content in what he says. And in interviews, it well, seems like he has really no idea uh, almost ever what he is talking about. And when he does have any content, he like immediately contradicts it in the next right. time he says yeah. speaks anywhere. That's the instrumental part. Because he doesn't care about fact. It doesn't matter to him what he said before. He just, it's, you know, he reads the room. That's why he loves those rallies so much, because he just sort of yeah. participates in that. I want to, did, did you guys read what he said about Abraham Lincoln? Uh, no. <laughs> no. You have it? Uh, I'm going to look it up and, and potentially read it, because it's so, well, it's so awesome. While Mike is... It, it's not as crazy, is it crazier than what Paul LePage said about Abraham Lincoln? No, oh, oh, God. Paul Paul is, so, yeah, like I said, I live in Maine, and so this guy's my governor, and he's just a, like a continuous embarrassment. Michael has By the voted way, for him several times. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't vote for him. No, no, in a, in a swimsuit contest, not for governor. I liked his courage. Yes. So while Michael is um, looking that up... Um, oh, I have it if you want. Oh, go ahead, then. So this is Donald Trump. So if if I can get the indulgence. So So this is the question to Trump. And why did Lincoln succeed? Thought about that at all. Trump says, well, I think Lincoln succeeded for numerous reasons. He was a man who was of great intelligence, which most presidents would be. But he was a man of great intelligence. But he was also a man who did something that was a very vital thing to do at that time. <laughs> Ten years before, or twenty years before, what he was doing would never have even been thought possible. So he did something that was a very important thing to do, and especially at that time. And Nixon failed, I think, to a certain extent, because of his personality, you know? It was just that personality. Very severe, very exclusive. In other words, people couldn't come in, and people didn't like him. I mean, people didn't like him. So that was his response to the question. Thank you, Donald, for that. <laughs> and why did Lincoln succeed? <laughs> it's true that people didn't like Nixon. i got to give him that. That, that will actually yeah, be, that'll be carved in, in granite on the Donald Trump memorial <laughs> on the National Mall. So if anyone is listening to this, they now know that we are discursive because we've wandered fairly afar from the Russia thing. That's, oh, I have um, Russia stuff, but that, yeah. That, that is true. But so how how do we feel about what Ben was saying with regard to all this 
potent, potential linkage with uh, that Russia has compromised information over Trump. He certainly acts compromised. I mean, I, I don't know whether he is or not. Right. I mean, mm. I, I, I we certainly don't know the answer to that question, which is ob- sort of like the trillion dollar question, since if you were, it would be like pretty much the biggest news story in the <laughs> yeah. history of the world. Um, but I mean, it's so, it sort of at this point almost doesn't matter, I think, in, in a certain yeah. sense. Um, huh. I, I've heard him referred to as by a former uh, Russian intelligence official, who of course did not want to be named for obvious reasons, as a uh, Polesny Durak. Useful. I don't know how to pronounce that in Russian. Uh, we can get one of our Russian expert friends to explain this to us more fully. Um, but apparently, it basically translates to a useful idiot. Um, and you know, at this point, you know, I, I, I don't, we don't know if Trump is is the Manchurian candidate, but he sort of effectively is, whether he realizes it or not. Um, just because he he he, he, he either has some interest in Russia, which is causing him to be so bizarrely friendly towards them, or he has been manipulated so skillfully um, that he is essentially acting as if he were compromised, um, even without actually being so. And what's sort of amazing to me is that it, it it's not even, it's like totally a valid foreign policy decision to decide to align with Russia and like like check China a little bit like that could be a totally valid decision to make I you know it could be valid I don't it would not be correct but, well I, I mean, mean I, I don't I don't it, know but it, like the way they're going Andrew, about it yeah but the way welcome it's been Andrew gone having, about yeah How having gone in about? common come on let me have it no, no, you're you're gonna take, and I think in an interesting way, uh, a contrarian attitude towards this with regard to what Russia means, because there's probably very little alignment with Russia that would be valid, given Russia's actions against our NATO allies, given Russians' actions within its own population on homosexuals and other communities in which, that they suppress or murder or discrim- actively discriminate against, there's probably no way we could align oh. our values with Russia. I mean, China's communist country is more liberal than Russia by a clear At the moment that I agree with that. Um, so I, I, agree, I agree, though, that the idea of aligning with Russia to check China in a, like a very hype you know, hypothetical, like absent all the actual facts of it could have a validity. Like the maneuver of aligning with other enemies to, to, to sort of buttress other enemies is a total classic sure. political move. And the president yeah, right? does technically yeah. and have And that's, the... that's really what I mean to convey uh, yeah. is, is that what, it, what it's, what I, what I'm really talking about is the attitude brought by the administration of like, Hey, fuck you. Even though, like, like for all I know, like it, they could be making a legitimate decision based on strategy of some kind, but it really doesn't seem that way. Well, and then of course we haven't even gotten into the election yeah. itself, um, right? And you know the fact that we're looking at a president who will have been elected losing the popular vote by over three million votes. Um, you know, about approximately three percentage points. An overwhelming mandate. Right, an overwhelming mandate. As they describe it. Um, mm. One of the greatest electoral victory sweeps in in all of history, as as Mr. Trump has said. <laughs> um, 
who who essentially won on the strength of about 75,000 votes in three counties in Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And, you know, you know, to what level was there Russian involvement in, uh, in our election um, from a propaganda point of view, um, from a point of view of direct hacking of um, Donald Trump's political opponents, um, and then disseminating that information through uh, WikiLeaks and other sources. Um, you know, I mean, it, even if Trump was not in cahoots, so to speak, um, with them uh, during that time, it does really call uh, his legitimacy into uh, question, um, which I think is what uh, people like uh, John Lewis have been driving at for the last uh, week or so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think that like the, the intelligence community in that report, they, they covered so much stuff in that report. So even aside from like the rumored dossier section from the guy from MI6, there's also just the stuff that it's, it's obvious that Russia had uh, Twitter bots that they generated and various other forms of misinformation trying to, to sort of jam up lines of communication and, and cause sort of confusion. I don't know if they no one alleges that they knew that they would work. Sure. They kind of alleged that they just were trying to cause trouble through that. Um, but they were definitely focused in the direction of, of pro-Trump implications. Like all the sort of Russian bot Twitter bots were geared to go for anti-Clinton, pro-Trump information. It, it also and it, it seems unlikely that they realized they would have so much cooperation from the FBI. Yes, yeah. and then and then uh, and then obviously the WikiLeaks thing had a, a tremendous impact. Like you know, people have gone through Trump's tweets during the election, and like how many times he referenced w documents acquired through WikiLeaks. There's a lot of like debate on certain circles that like, well, this was genuine. You know, I'm I'm gonna spout the Glenn Greenwald defense of it, but that's like it was valuable information that it was truthful and that and accurate and therefore worthy of disseminating. Um, Marco Rubio took the pointed stance during the election that he didn't think we should be sharing this stuff because it was acquired via uh, Russians and was an effort to undermine our democracy, so we should do our best to ignore it. The New York Times took a less brave stance about that stuff. Um, and uh, here we are. We're, we can't go back in time, unfortunately. Yeah, I also think it was you not think Rubio entire... knew they also had the Republican uh, emails? Probably not. I don't know. He is he on the intelligence committee? I don't know what oh, committees that. I, I think he must have known something that you know, being a senator allows you to know that the rest of us didn't necessarily have in terms of briefings. But I don't know if he had direct. Uh, yeah. But I mean, um, I'm sure Lindsey Graham knew because he, he said that he knew that his office was there was an effort to try to undermine his own office. Well, it, it has been okay. stated by um, both the FBI and the CIA now in public forums that the RNC was hacked um not to the extent that the dnc and john podesta were but uh, it, it was hacked um even though no information was released i think it's also important for the record to to point out that we don't know um that all of the information released by wikileaks was accurate um there there were a, sure. a lot of documents that um that were actually uh, very questionable in, in terms of uh, whether or not they had been fabricated or edited. Um, are, are you saying that Glenn Greenwald doesn't write about everything? Because I think that's a shocking thing to say. 
it, it's it's hard for me to to say it, but I I, I think I am going to go there. I mean, I'm pretty sure when he was on Fox News, everything he said was totally legitimate. Well, that's the no spin zone. Yeah, it's yeah, it goes with the yeah. He had to be. Yeah. When you talk to Hannity, you have to bring your A game. I think that's that's what's right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, not helping the look for the new Trump administration in terms of their close ties to the Russians has been the fact that um, noted Vladimir Putin apologist and friend Michael Flynn, the incoming uh, national security uh, advisor, um, may have violated the Logan Act multiple times um, in uh, recent weeks. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the Logan Act, um, that like is... Like me. That is a... It's, it's like, uh, it's related <laughs> to Wolverine, also yes. known as Logan. That's a, that's You'll see more oh. about the Logan Act in the upcoming movie Logan, debuting in March. You do not that, violate the Logan Act, That was Act, a then. really suave product placement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm practicing for future gigs. Brought, brought to you by Carl's Jr. So the, so the Logan <laughs> yeah. Act um, is a law... It's a, that says that um, U.S. citizens who are not part of the executive branch of the government. Um, like it, me. Like, like Andrew, as a, just as an example. We could mm-hmm. say it. it would be illegal for Andrew to contact a foreign government and uh, attempt to dictate or make American foreign policy with that government. That is illegal. The only entity that can legally um, dictate American foreign policy is the executive branch of the American government. Um, well, so, that sounds like some uh, Nazi bullshit right there. Yeah. You, Holding yes. me down is what it is. <laughs> it's true. In a libertarian paradise, everybody would be free to negotiate with any foreign power anytime they wanted to. Yeah, exactly. Particularly Andrew. We'll start our own UN, says yes. we. So um, Michael Flynn, um, who had been uh, the head of the DIA for a while under President Obama until he was fired for cause. Um, That's the dicks in action, right? Yes. yes it's a... uh, I've, see, I've seen them at a strip review in Reno. They're I thought it was good. like the CIA, but the dumber ones. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, they, their, their grades were not as good. It's sort of like the, the JV squad. Uh, but it's one, it's one of our intelligence uh, organizations, and he was heading it up, and uh, he was fired for cause. Um, and he, uh, he and his son are big uh, proponents of conspiracy theories, which we can talk about some other time. But um, in the case of the Logan Act... Um, or can we? Yes, <laughs> if we're still around. Um, the Russian ambassador and Michael Flynn spoke apparently on the phone five times the same day that the White House announced sanctions against Russia for its cyber espionage um, during uh, the election. We, we kicked some um, uh, presumed uh, Russian intelligence officers out of the country, and we put economic sanctions on a number of oligarchs who are close to Vladimir Putin. And the very same day, um, there were five conversations between the Russian ambassador and uh, and Michael Flynn, um, who says that he was... he was just arranging a future phone call between um, the Russian ambassador and President Trump for after the inauguration. 
Um, five future phone calls. Right, which begs the question, why did they have to speak yeah. five times, and why were they doing this so many weeks in advance? Um, well, isn't there like a new USA Today report that reveals that that day the Russian ambassador Michael Flynn started a words with friends game? Yeah. So I think it explains it's, it. it. it probably, by the way, that joke is brought to you by 2011, happier times. <laughs> yes. Um, there is a new report out. There has been very little uh, reporting on this yet. Um, but there's a, a new report out that Michael Flynn just today, um, today is for us is January 18th, um, i.e. two days before the apocalypse, um, uh, may have violated the Logan Act again by meeting with the Turkish foreign minister um, in, in a Trump hotel, no less. Uh, it's also somewhat chilling that the, uh, that the first two uh, countries that the Trump administration has chosen to violate the law by talking to before they're in charge um, are authoritarian regimes that do not um, allow a free press and, um, you know, put people in jail and or kill them for uh, any form of dissent. Also, both of those countries were countries that were in some time past considered like potentially thriving democracies. So they're good yeah. uh, role models, we might say, for the Trump administration, yeah. how, to, how to achieve their aims. Uh, Michael Flynn may also have been on the payroll of both of their governments. That, that's an, another issue. Um, yeah, he's definitely somehow on the payroll in Russia because of all those like photo ops. And then I guess with, with Turkey, right, it was like this, this business guy who's with strong connections like you have to have in Turkey to be a business guy. That was paying him, but it's unclear if he was like a go-between. Well, and that would hardly make him the only member of Trump's inner circle to have been on the payrolls of the Russian or Trump government, uh, Russian or Turkish uh, governments. Yeah. Are there others with Turkey? Uh, yeah, well, Paul Manafort certainly has Turkish connections to go uh, along with connections with, with pretty much every other dictator and despot on the planet. Um, nice. And it, it's pretty you... widely known that even though he resigned, he's still pretty heavily involved and acting as a, a liaison hmm. um, to many of these other governments. Um, so that's really all pretty thrilling. <laughs> Did you, this, also, oh, I'm sorry. Mike, no, what were you going to say? No, I mean, I was going to say on this Russia stuff, one of the things I thought was surprising was how quickly Republican opinion has changed and that they now <laughs> like Vladimir Putin and think he's awesome this was to the you know the point of how bad could this get for trump if people start to realize what's going on and and i'm not sure it would get that bad people don't really seem to mind at least republican people yeah i mean it, it is true there's been a kind of a flip-flop on conventional wisdom in that regard since in uh traditionally the republicans were the the party that was much more hawkish on on russia um and and now we have I mean, there have been a lot of public opinion polls. Um, granted, polls have not been so great this cycle. Um, but with, with voters and with Republican members of Congress who, as, as Michael points out, just do not seem to think that this is really a big deal at all. Um, that it's okay to have a foreign government um, with their hands in uh, our election and potentially in the way that we shape our foreign policy and run our own country, which is um, really kind of beyond shocking. Well, and they've worked to make it seem as if Republic as if uh, elections can't be counted on and aren't honest. 
you know, there's all these things they've been undermining, and now suddenly they're undermined. You mean and Russia? It, no, I mean Republicans. No, the Republicans. Oh, Republicans. <laughs> the, the, yeah, that's no, true, too. Yeah, they've been saying, you know, elections yeah. are rigged, you can't trust them. And so now here we are, and we're saying, hey, Russia interfered with the election. And they're like, so everyone knows elections aren't real anyway. It doesn't yeah. Matter. I mean, I don't know. We could spend all our lives complaining about the insane level of hypocrisy going around. And sometimes it gets me down. It really gets me down. Like Chaffetz and how much he, like, oh chased God. after yeah. Clinton on all those, like, the email server and uh, how he promised to fo- follow her after she got elected on these issues. And then, you know, he was, I think also one of the, like the more vocal people sort of drumming up concern about Benghazi, even though nothing really came up of it. And then the minute Trump comes in, he's like, nah, not, not mine to look at, you know, no, no one cares it's, about Trump's tax returns. Well, he is going to investigate someone though. He's not, he's going to investigate the ethics <laughs> guy who spoke out about Trump's yeah. conflict. Well, because he said that that was unethical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was also, um, among the first Republicans to speak out against Trump when the Access Hollywood tape came out. He mm. withdrew his endorsement because he said he could not look his wife and two daughters in the eye if he in any way supported um, a man who was okay with sexual assault. Yeah, but then his wife and daughters were like, that's yeah. great. We don't want to look at your hideous bat face. Right, so, so, so you know, take care, like a, Dad. More like a woodchuck or a chipmunk. So he, than oh. a bat. So he moved, okay. he moved into a Holiday Inn Express and, uh, <laughs> and went back to supporting um, uh, his overlord. Holiday and Express. I, I've been sending uh, tweets. This is like in the in the realm of feudal gestures. I've been sending tweets to Evan McMullen yes. anytime there's like a Chaffetz story, and I'm like, "Can hey guy who's like good against Trump and like uh, strong connections to Utah? Can you get this guy out of office? <laughs> Just get him out of office." And I don't know if it's having any effect, but apparently I read today that uh, someone, a Republican, is going to run against Chaffetz, potentially, um, some some handsome devil. I wish I could remember his name. But uh, is he doing this to you, isn't it, for, uh, oh, no, for, I'm for not reasons that we would support? I think he's doing it for reasons that he's like a never-Trumper, yes. I okay. think that that's the reason you would support. But he's a, he's like a lawyer from, I think, Idaho but uh, has, and uh, lives in Utah. Um, Utah was a pretty strong Never Trump state. Yeah, it was a very strong Never Trump state, and that's why I'm like, can Evan McMullen, like, if you want to like get to Trump, pick off Chaffetz, a guy who will be up for re-election in two years, who is completely enabling him. You know, make your make your first stand there. I mean, not that like like Evan McMullen reads my tweets to him, (laughs) but uh, that seems like I would love that. He might. That would be great. He might spend a lot of time reading your tweets. Yeah, I'm sure he's a staffer to delete everything. Um, but yeah, like that's there's a there's so much Republican hypocrisy. It's just sort of like it's it's hard to know how to begin or end that. It's it, an it's mind boggling. I mean, you, could, you would think that there would be a certain point where um, where most people would feel that they had a loyalty to um, their country and to decency over a party. And that does not at all seem to be the case. I mean, his Trump's popularity is in, like re, like staggeringly low in a lot of measurements. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it has an effect. It just doesn't have the effect of getting like this prop popular groundswell movement that's like I rescind my votes, get rid of him. Like 
the kind of thing that would give you heart in a Frank Capra movie-esque way. Um, and, and that's the bummer about I mean, it, because there's enough people who just sort of shrug did, it off. Andrew, go ahead. I did read a couple of articles of that today that people, I guess somebody's paying people to post their, like, boy, I wish I hadn't voted for him. But um, to I read one, too, on you Fox, had said, yeah. Yeah, to something that you had said before uh, about people having like a sense of country and sense of decency people don't have the same america like the last 12 years uh 16 years maybe probably more i don't know it's been like a totally split america even though it's the same place with like almost entirely the same goals uh well just people don't it, think like oh this is like what america's about and then as, as soon as anybody says anything, every half the people disagree. Do we with have them empirical right evidence that that is actually true, or is that just something that Republicans like to say? I guess I don't have empirical evidence, but I see a lot of people on social media just knee-jerk react to whatever people say. They like assume a position that that person comes from, and then negate whatever it is that they said, almost no matter what it was. So, so to play devil's advocate there. Social media has existed in kind of the time period that you mentioned. Um, so is it possible that this is sort of an observer bias effect? Um, uh, well, it's hard to dissociate. It could yeah. be a cause. It could. Well, we don't. One could be a cause of the other. They could be totally sure. unrelated. They could be. We don't know. I mean, I, I think. But that's that a good point. You, you can you can look at like some major issues that have been controversial issues in the country, like. Um, like gay marriage, um, I think is a is a really strong example, um, and the sentiment of the country has actually uh, coalesced more than more than split. I mean, it's it's possible that the the supporters That's at the true. extremes feel ver even more strongly about it than they did previously, but I, I, and I, are I very loud, right? But I think it's pretty clear that on issues. Um, like gay marriage, like um, on um, marijuana, marijuana um, reform, uh, um, on um, pre-existing conditions, <laughs> pre-existing conditions on um, on drug incarceration, um, things like that. Uh, that 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 the country ha has substantively moved to the left um, on those issues. I don't think it's become more divided uh, on them. I think it's hard to make that argument. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I think I think it comes more down to like team and brand rather than than anything substantive. It's just about getting into being the opportunity to get in a shouting match. My, Michael is else. alternately shaking his head and nodding. <laughs> nodding and shaking. Yeah. No, I think Andrew's onto it. Like, it's interesting because Ben, I think you're right that it turns out people don't actually people got all in a huff about the gay marriage thing and then it happened and they were like, I guess this is fine. And they stopped worrying about it, you know? So in a way there is this kind of directed fire hose of, of negative and attention that gets on issues, but it, but people aren't actually that attached to them. But then on the team thing, I was trying to find the information on this, how like a week after the election, Republicans thought about how the economy was doing went from like terrible to like amazing, even though nothing changed other than, Trump won the election, but he wasn't president yet. And, yeah. you know, I think people do have a tremendous feeling of 
dissatisfaction when their team is not in control that is not really connected or is not tightly connected to sort of real circumstances, but it's just a more of a feeling or an association. That's all about the, the Obamacare ACA thing too, where people have just dissociated that those are the same thing, even though Obamacare is a huge disaster, but the AC like, don't, Hey, now like ACA, I, I use that. I think Andrew is referring specifically to the, there was a, a really viral uh, video hit with Jimmy Kimmel um, going out on the street and asking people, this is right yeah. after um, Obamacare was passed, whether or not they supported Obamacare and at least the responses that he showed, um, people were overwhelmingly negative about it. Um, and then he asked them if they supported the Affordable Care Act and they were overwhelmingly positively in favor of it. I feel like I've seen polls that Match. I don't know about the how overwhelmingly, but overwhelmingly disapprove of Obamacare. There are definitely um, um, polls which break down components of the Affordable Care Act, like um, not being able to discriminate against pre-existing conditions, um, right. changing the age to 26 where kids can stay on their parents' insurance. And um, people pretty much lifetime love all of those caps things. on how much insurance companies can make people spend um, on deductibles. Um, and I mean, it's like 90% of people are in favor of those components. Um, but when it's put all together um, under the title, uh, particularly of Obamacare, then a lot of those same people become very disapproving all of a sudden. Which is an interesting topic, which um, I'm sure we will... Yeah. We will talk about further. We will definitely <laughs> dig in. I, you know, um, didn't we? We wanted to cover one of the major things, or let's talk about one of the major things that is going on this week, uh, right? With yes. The, uh, so let's um let yeah let, let's move on. Um, cabinet appointments. Yeah. So we're we are in the middle of kind of the the equivalent of March Madness um, as the Republicans attempt to ram all of the cabinet appointments down our throat. Um, uh, which is really the mark of being proud of your your people and just knowing that they're the right choice to to the point where many of the the candidates um the nominees have not actually submitted their financial disclosures or um or ethics paperwork um it could be that they didn't have time or it could be that they have so many conflicts that they just don't want anyone to find out about it um but uh there are um, a few special gems um, that we could we could talk about. Um, uh, did anyone have a chance to see any of uh, the Betsy DeVos confirmation hearings? Yes. <laughs> That's a flat yes. What, what? What? I feel like there's more behind that yes. I think I was most offended. I mean, obviously she had no idea what she was talking about at any point, and <laughs> is like flagrantly, hilariously unqualified. And so that's not great. But it's like she didn't even go to the effort to prepare a little bit. She couldn't even handle the pretty easy like the the Al Franken asked her this question uh where about what she thought about growth versus performance measurement um which is you know a long standing ongoing discussion in the education world. Just for anyone who doesn't and, know, Betsy DeVos is the nominee for Secretary of Education. Oh right. Yeah. And so now, maybe she doesn't have a, you know, very finely calibrated answer for that because she 
has no experience and there's no reason she should be within 100 feet of this job. But she didn't even know what it was. You know, she, she wasn't even able to say, like, I understand that's an education thing. She was like, what is that? And I think, to me, it just really highlights how Trump is relying on the servile docility of this pathetic Republican legislature to just rubber stamp whoever he sends their way. And they know it. And so they're acting with exactly the level of respect for the process that that warrants, i.e. no respect. As you were saying, they don't have any, they don't, they haven't done any of the disclosures. They keep, we, every disclosure is some totally corrupt joke. You know, there's Tom Price. I think it was Tom Price. Was he the one who was found to be trading in medical stocks while he was legislating on the medical stocks? Yeah, not only trading, he purchased the medical stocks before submitting a bill that would favor the company. Yeah, and he's like, this is all fine. Don't worry about this. Well, I'm worried about it. And so that, you know. And he's the secretary. Go ahead, John. Oh, sorry. Just to stick on DeVos before we jump over to Price. DeVos, I believe, in the corruption level, it was 11 of the 12 people, like Republicans. That are, like, there's a, he, she's her. She is given as a very wealthy woman. She married a man, a man who has related to the Amway fortune, and therefore she had a lot of money. And then she used her money to throw around with regard to her attitude towards uh, education policy, which largely rested on school choice issues and charter schools. She like has she is. Uh, been uh, of the she's like a, been a donor to a lot of the people that are now trying to decide whether she should be secretary of education so she sort of bought her way into the room yeah <laughs> very flagrantly bernie sanders and it's like, brought that up he he questioned her on the on the total amount of money that her family has donated um and according to his records her family in the in fairly recent years has donated 200 million dollars to uh, republican candidates and it's fun to imagine how the how the they would be grilling a Hillary Clinton education nominee with the similar. Oh yeah, no, she'd be dead. I mean, they'd all be like, all these violations would have just nulled so many of these people. And Jason Chaffetz would be at every hearing. Oh yeah. Well, and it's, it's not a it's, surprise how servile they are, but it is still gross to watch. So Tom Price, yeah. um, as we were alluding to, he's the the nominee for Secretary of Health and Human Services. Um, mm. And uh, he is currently a representative in the House of Representatives. And as John mentioned, he introduced legislation after buying stock in a company that was beneficial to the company. That was a medical devices company, um, which is most definitely illegal and a form of insider trading. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it illegal? I mean, it's definitely not a good thing to do, but I I, I remember Congress people do this. Congress people do this. That's my understanding. Let me look it up. Well, there's definitely a a rule. I'm not entirely sure how official it is that um, that members of Congress are not supposed to buy um, stock in individual companies that are in any way related to any committees that they serve on or are too related to the geographical area that they represent. Yeah. The challenge is like who's going to enforce these sort of rules. I mean, we're, what we've witnessed is that a lot of these rules or norms are not codified strongly enough and that they require action. And if no one acts on trying to enforce them, um, much like, I guess, smoking a joint in Brooklyn would be like you, they're essentially illegal. You know, or they're, they're accepted. So, you know, 
We're, we're, who do we root for? Who's our Robin Hoods? <laughs> uh, among the nominees? No, among any human life. It forms. might actually be John Roberts, although now I'm going to go and just weep quietly. For, oh, boy. For, you're, for, for, those you're of, on the... for those of you who don't know Michael, the fact that he said that just now is kind of mind <laughs> No, I mean, the yeah. Congre- there's three branches, and they're supposed to check and balance each other, but Congress is not doing it. And so that leaves and the Supreme Court. Since, since we're going there, let, let, let's be let's be clear them. for a moment. I guess there is some question about the legitimacy of Donald Trump as the president in terms of the election. There is no question that the next member of the Supreme Court will be an illegitimate member of the Supreme Court. I mean that 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 was a a an appointment. You mean McConnell stall tactic? Yeah, that was absolutely an appointment that was completely stolen from President Obama uh, in a way that was utterly contrary to the constitutional um, mandate that Congress has to um, to take the uh, take up nominations that the president sends to them. I mean, I, I well, think just, that's unquestionable. You know. Feel heartened that if there's a Supreme Court replacement required in the waning months of uh, Trump's first or second term, let's just go to that nightmare, um, that definitely the Republicans would say you cannot allow a nomination to happen until after the election. You know that they're going to stick to that principle. They, they will, totally. well, yeah, yeah. particularly because Mitch McConnell has has backup now, um, since uh, his wife will also be a member of the administration, so he won't have to stand alone. Yeah, his his wife. She's always the member of every administration. She got she sm- she just slid right in. What, no trumps. What, what, what she, uh, her, so her name is Elaine Chow. Can someone remind me which cabinet position she's up for? Isn't it transportation? Transportation. Yep. transportation. She was transportation under Bush. Yes, under W. So her her nomination will go through very smoothly. Although probably probably she's she might more, have already um, been gone through. She's a I'm more not that worried about uh, that one really candidate then. Also, transportation Plus. isn't the biggest one. It's largely what, like that. She just does. They don't. They haven't done a good job of building roads for a while. So, like, you know, what, well, it, whatever. Well, it, it could become a bigger issue um, in terms of graft as um, as Trump. Uh, oh no, they're all know, going to be huge issues related to graft. I mean, I was listening to a friend corruption. Yeah, it's I was listening to crazy. a friend's podcast about like Ben Carson in charge of uh, HUD, Housing and Urban Development, and how little he will do to stand in the way of any policies that will benefit Trump or are currently benefiting Trump. Um, and as my, as my friend uh, Zell pointed out, like, you know, uh, Carson, if they ever find any improper uh, situation there, Carson will swallow that sword pretty hard. He'll do, he'll do, do what? He'll swallow <laughs> that sword. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I mean, under pretty sh- uh, sharp questioning, um, he, he straight up admitted that, there, there was nothing that he was really prepared to do to ensure that HUD money did not go directly into the pocket of Donald Trump or members of the Trump family. He was, that was a specific question. Totally unqualified. I would say not the least qualified, but that's only because of the amazing level of unqualification these people are bringing. Not the least unqualified. They saying. are not qualified. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> very few that are qualified. That's very true. I, I like Rick Perry for energy because it shows that Trump doesn't know what energy does. Well, neither does Rick Perry. Yeah. 
No. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, they are meant to be. Yeah. I mean, Rick Perry had yeah. had no idea that um, one of the major areas that the DOE um, oversees is our nuclear program. It's their it's main, the main responsibility. Main yeah. 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 I mean, what the most? I mean, in the joke of all this, thing, the most qualified of all the nominees is the one that requires a waiver from Congress. Uh, John is correct. Is, he's of course talking yeah. about the um, the nominee for Secretary of Defense, um, who is a, a recently retired member of the military. Yeah, Which Mattis just, is like... I, I don't like waving that either because I I feel like we are. It's a slippery slope. I mean, the civilian control of the military thing is a is an important one. It has been a hallmark of our democracy from the beginning, and has been a codified part of. Um, of our laws for many, many decades. Yep. That said, this guy's probably the best we're going to get. Um, I mean, yep. compared to the alternatives, um, yeah, he, he could be worse. <laughs> I don't even know what the alternatives would be. Just like a howler uh, monkey? I mean, he's not <laughs> that... <laughs> it could be Michael Flynn's son. Come yeah. on. It could be Flynn is the reality of it, and it may end up being Flynn. It's it, a it big is true. sword. At, at least Michael Flynn is currently in theory, anyway, only in an advisory role, um, as opposed to uh, the actual control of the armed services. Yeah, I that's mean, very he might, comforting. He might have done that so they could do more shadowy nonsense like he's doing right now, meeting in hotel rooms with people from foreign governments. But. Well, right. He and Rex Tillerson will, will go around um, um, doing all the clandestine... You, you mentioned Rex well, Tillerson. I don't think Tillerson will be clandestine. I think he's, no. he likes his suits. I watched his hearing though, and oh, this is hard to get through yeah. for me. But like, he didn't seem that bad. You know, he clearly understood like what the situation of the world is. Like, I've been I've been having this debate in my mind: is it better to, if they're evil and stupid, or evil and smart? And I still don't really know the answer. But he's definitely more evil and smart. So this is sort of like Rex Tillerson versus Betsy DeVos. Yeah, well, it's yeah. like Betsy DeVos will probably be able to do less damage just because she doesn't know how any of it works. Oh, I do agree, but well, I mean, I think we'll we see. Could all do but I mean, I just th- I think we should never start doing these comparisons of like, oh, it could be <laughs> way, way worse. Like, let's try to like maintain our standards; otherwise, we're going to be worn down well, so the, quickly. This has been a big, <laughs> a big area of uh, discussion with Democrats uh, regarding FBI Director James Comey. Um, who is currently under investigation yeah. um, by a number of sources, including the current um, uh, investigator general, although whether or not he will remain in that position remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, many people rightly feel that James Comey should resign uh, and or be fired. Um, but then the question is, um, would whoever he was replaced with by Trump be even worse? It's a weird situation. A, a greasy sack of KFC bones. Yay. <laughs> he definitely should resign on the merits. And yet, it's also true that there's no way we would get a equally good or even... I mean, Trump's replacement of him would be a terrible nightmare. It might be like some ex-KGB guy, for all we know. <laughs> or a current KGB. I was going to say, yeah. can he appoint Putin to be in charge of the FBI? <laughs> like... Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Well, we don't have a prime minister yet, right? We could just—he would just get appoint, be appointed prime minister. I'm not sure of the citizenship requirements on. Well, I'm pretty sure point. there's no citizenship requirements. Well, the thing is, if if the Congress doesn't care, there's no anything. 
you know, their whole job is to enforce these requirements and these laws and these yeah. standards. And if they're not going to do it, there's really there's no one else who can do it. And there's there's no nothing's going to step in and say you can't confirm this person. They're clearly an idiot. The last step is Congress, and they're apparently prepared to just confirm anybody. And of course, um, this so, this only drives home how horrendous the uh, the congressional loss in the last election was. Um, and uh, I expect that something that yeah. we'll spend a lot of time talking about, particularly as we move towards the midterm elections, is what can Democrats do um, to oh, God. to to start to reverse that. Mostly what oh, I do God. is call Susan Collins frequently and let her know what I'm thinking. Um, my, Michael has probably so, so. been the most involved of us uh, in, in that regard. I well, mean, I mean, I, mean, I just live in a state where this, we have a senator who is among the more persuadable Republicans. Uh, on what you're saying, though, Ben, it's, and also sort of going off of like Mike's emotions, um, how do we stay sane? <laughs> like that's the title of our thing, at least right for the for the moment time being, like sanity check. Like, right. right. Like, how are we going to do that? Because <laughs> I mean, the more I hear from you guys, the more I'm like, I'm losing my fucking mind right now. <laughs> and okay, well, I'm like, how do we do that? Well, let's have a figurative What's show that? of hands first. How many of you guys are actually going to watch the uh, inauguration? Nope, I am. So we've got uh, hands up from. From Mike, uh, and I, I believe that was it. Uh, and so it's good that at least one of us is watching, so that we can stay informed. Um, yeah, yeah. Mike I mean, Mike I, I want to know what's on, going on, on the inauguration um, next week. Yeah. Um, but I, I know one of the ways that I'm going to try to stay sane is by not watching it. Yes. <clears throat> I learned a lot from watching the Republican National Convention, and I assume this is going to be similar. The Republican National. I'm hoping Convention he brings the light rig. Brought to you by Lenny Riefenstahl. Yeah, that, that inauguration, the question, what they're going to do with the copious amounts of money that they've raised, since it's an absurd sum, I don't know how, that's going to get sucked up into some terrible fund almost almost immediately. I'm very... Weren't Donald Jr. and Eric trying to sling a, get some cash out of the inauguration? Yeah, like they, a day they one were. Party. They, they got yeah. caught out on that, so they had to kind of... Well, they're testing the limit. They're like off, a two-year-old. Yeah. They're sort of like, can I get away with this? And can I that's get away the, with this? That's the Trump MO. That's how he raised them. I mean, I, I read an article about Marla Maples and Tiffany Trump uh, telling their person who does, like, is their stylist, saying uh, they didn't want to pay her. They said that she should work for free because it was such good publicity. And sh- and so like the level of which they just nickel and dime everybody and just try to take advantage of every moment they can try to take advantage of. I mean, in a way, people voted it for him on that notion that he was going to do that for America. Um, but all all it means is that we're like sort of the, the cheap tightwad that no one wants to deal with as a country. Like we're the people that like everybody at an Applebee's sort of hates when they show up. You know, oh, we have to serve this guy like we get no tip, and it's just like you know, constantly asking, like pocketing butters. I mean, it's going to be terrible. You, you called that quote out from that New York times article, John earlier in the week, I think where people said, you know, these are businessmen and if they can sub- substitute America's best interests for their own, we'll uh, all yeah. be doing great. And I was like, why on earth would you expect them to do that? That is against yeah. the, uh, the principles of business. In fact, the level of trust that, Trump supporters have placed in people who 
they did not want before the election is is as disturbing as their shift towards Putin. And it is the the team thing. I mean, again, how do we stay sane? Like, I'm like, I can't crack this nut. Like, there's nothing we can't. How do we can't feel like we can move anywhere? Like, are we just? You're not going to watch like Andrew. Do you just are you? I feel like you're a little bit more comfortable in sort of like shrugging things off from the like it gnaws at me while I try to go to bed. Yeah, I would call that accurate. But um, I didn't. To me, I I feel like it's less about seeing what he's. I, I I'm not so interested in what he's doing like at any particular given moment as I am for for me personally to stay sane in seeing. The, figuring out where this all ends, it, let's say everything that that they want happens, which may happen. Um, where are we, and do we have a plan for that, or is the entire plan resist, and after that fails, kill ourselves? Like that's that's where I need some clarity on like what what's the plan? Mm-hmm. Like what do we what do we do in in a bunch of situations? I know how to march. I know how to like call my uh, how to vote you know but i what i don't know is what to do after that and that's what i need for for myself that's why we're having this conversation as because yeah we we don't know the answer to john's uh unfortunately pressing question yeah Um, at the same time like talking with you guys it's sort of like we can be goofier about it we can at least understand no we can vent comfortably we know that none of us have been taken away to a black site yet um you know it's like there's something valuable to that like i think just what andrew just said like i don't think i have any of us have like the immediate answer to respond to that but like as we develop these questions or talk about this stuff or share something like maybe one of us figures out something for the for ourselves i think i think the only thing that we can definitely agree on is that we have yet to hit rock bottom uh, yeah. Why would you say that? It'll hear you. Oh, <laughs> the bottom. Much, much more dangerous to think that you have hit hit rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that that we can get some other people involved and uh, figure out what we can do in a more active sense. Uh, and maybe if people end up ever listening to this, which is ha ha ha, very <laughs> funny to think. Um, I mean, obviously, like if you have advice uh, for these things, um, that would be so helpful. Reach out to us on the. We're not telling you who we are. Uh, we will be yeah. setting um, up um, <laughs> whatever a, a email web page and, and probably a Twitter account though at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, around Is the inauguration, five... just to as we kind of wrap things up, um, mm-hmm. there are obviously going to be a lot of marches and protests um, this week and this weekend. Um, uh, are any of you guys planning on attending any of those? Yeah, yes, I am. All right, um, cool. I've got. Uh, I'm going to be unable to do so myself, but uh, uh, I've got a number of family members who will be in Washington for the for the women's march, um, and uh, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how those go. And maybe uh, you guys can can tell us about your experiences. Um, sure. Next time. Yeah. There's simply. I think there'll be ones in New York and Atlanta and Los Angeles. Uh, there's actions in Los Angeles on Friday during the um, uh, inauguration. Uh, there will, and as well as a uh, march with the Women's March, uh, Women's March LA, and then there's also a Women's March 
in New York on uh, Saturday as well. And I think that there is a protest organized by the mayor and others around Trump Tower tomorrow night, uh, Thursday night. So um, yeah, nothing changes from the march, right? But this is going to be a long fight and a, and a fight where we need more of us to be trying. So uh, I would say also just in general with the way people react to marches and protests, people do immediately um, are very wary. They think that there's all these actions that happen in marches that are like property was destroyed. Oh, oh my God, what rabble. Um, and a lot of those actions are by people who are sort of plants. So I think if you go to a march, be aware of uh, who's out there, who's who's not legitimately an ally, who's trying to actually undermine things. Um, there is a, like a there's a report recently that came out that there was a, a fairly vicious sign directed at Melania Trump that was actually a plant at an anti-Trump rally yep. by a pro-Trump guy. So, you know, everyone be aware and and, and, and make be sure safe people too. behave. Yeah, be safe. Be um, safe. Yeah. Be loud. Um, be sexy. That's just a general advice for yep, absolutely for all of us. Um, Andrew is the best of us at that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I try. Andrew, <laughs> do you want to um, you want to do a quick sum up of of our first exciting um, episode? Welcome to our show. We are trying to keep ourselves sane by talking, and hopefully, we can keep some other people sane with us. Um, we talked about uh, Trump's associations with Russia and all of his assorted associates' associations with Russia and how many there are. Um, we talked about the um, cabinet selections uh, and how unbelievably corrupt uh, they are shaping up to be and how Congress is doing essentially nothing to protect us from that. Um, was there one in the middle? In between those two? There was a lot in the middle. Yeah, I know, but I'm that. going for the big things. Broad strokes. John, if you want to jump and, in and add some things, go ahead. And we talked mm -hmm. about things that we feel like we are looking for uh, in this effort and just for ourselves um, as we move forward into uh, what's approaching us quickly. So... Uh... On on that uh, really optimistic note, um, uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you guys again soon, and um, hopefully uh, the internet will still work next week, and uh, we'll all still be here to uh, to be able to talk about it. And, and oh no, there's a chasm opening up in the floor right now! Uh... <laughs>